Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. Welcome to Sober Exposure. Um, Jennifer Wilde, as you can tell, this um, this episode's a little different. There's there's no video, and there's a few reasons for that. Uh, one, I want to protect the anonymity of my next guest. This is a very compelling episode. Also, we're going to touch upon some um, latest developments in the world of rock and roll. And I know that she's going to cry. I'm going to cry. Some stories she's going to tell that have to do with uh, she and I. Just some synchronicities in our life are going to make everybody cry, including me. So I just didn't want to mess up my makeup and be on video for that. This is uh, this is just going to be too uh, too intense. So without further ado, I invited Allie onto Sober Exposure today. Allie, wow, Jennifer Wild, what's what? going on? Wow, wow, wow! <laughs> it's finally happened. The girl that told me that I had a voice is going to speak her truth. I have told the story how we met so many times and you're going to tell it in your way, the way I'm just curious to see if your version is the same as my version. And you put that in there wherever, wherever it is supposed to go in your story, because I want you to tell everybody who you are, maybe why you're here. Just lay it on us. You got the floor. This is Allie. I'm Jen Wild. Sober exposure. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, right on, Jen. So Thank you so much for having me. I've been dying to do this episode with you. You know, I adore you. Um, I've adored you for a long time, even before we even knew who each other were. Uh, I'll start, I'll just start a little bit with my story. So it's been about 20 something years since we've known each other, I think, right? I don't know, but not quite 20, not quite 20. Mm, but it's been a while. We'll just put it that way. It's been a long freaking time. <laughs> well, since I've known you, it's been 20. You might have not known me yet. So about about that time, I um, I got into a little bit of trouble. So let's let's back up. So it took me a little bit to tell my story because, you know, you always have people in your ear that are telling you like, you know, be easy, be careful, watch your back. You don't want to be too honest to this. And, and the reality is my life and my life's mission has been to create an authenticity within myself. Um, and it's been, it's been oppressed for a very long time by partners and people and whatever, but, um, it's no longer oppressed. And so now I'm, you know, I'm happy to to tell my story and how we met, which is a huge, huge part of my history. And, you know, and I had the conversation with you, which I'll get into. But, you know, basically, I'll, I'll tell the short version of, you know, I got I got into a little bit of trouble. I was right out of high school um, and I was uh, living with my dad and his wife at the time who raised me. And his wife basically said to me, hey you know, I'll give you a job, um, working at a medical clinic. Um, I'll give you 300 bucks a week. I'll pay for your car and I'll pay for your college and you'll work three days a week and you know, whatever. So, so I was like, hell yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Um, and I, I went to go work for her and I idolized this person. This person was a mom to me. Um, and, uh, she basically just said to me, okay, here's your job. You're going to be working in the office and you're going to do some medical billing and, you know, you're going to send the bills off. You're going to sign your name and, you know, all this stuff. And, and it was a, it was an HIV clinic. Um, uh, mostly, you know, people that dealt with, you know, mostly just the gay population as well as, you know, uh, drug users and, um, all that stuff. And, uh, and I became very friendly with a lot of the patients, um, because I talked to everybody and, (laughs) um, (laughs) I started, I started to notice, you know, along the way that, um, people that were signed in that I had become friends with, 
that, you know, supposedly had come to visit the clinic, um, didn't come say hi to me. And I was like, you know, what the hell? Like, why didn't, you know, so-and-so come in and say hi? So I had this one guy, intravenous drug user, homeless guy. Um, I'll call him Willie J. And um, he and I became very, very tight, very fast because he couldn't read. So he would bring in like, you know, things for me to read to him because he was very interested in, in just knowledge and books and, you know, super interesting dude. And he would always pick like weed flowers off of the road and just bring me flowers. And the cutest guy, I mean, like probably like just an amazing dude. And like, we became fast friends and he would come to my desk every time he would come in, he'd bring me flowers and he'd bring me something to read. He had, couldn't read. And so the, the way that I found out that basically this medical clinic was a complete sham was that, um, I received a, uh, a sign in sheet with Willie J's name on it. And I was like, dude, I didn't see Willie J come in. He didn't, he, you know, he didn't come in and say hi to me today. And I asked one of the nurses, And the nurse was like, oh, you know, just ask your stepmother. And she kind of threw her hands up. And I was like, okay. So I asked my stepmom and I was like, why is his name on here? Why is he not? Why did he not come say hi to me? And she basically said, oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. And I started to realize what was happening is that these, uh, you know, uh, my stepmom was involved in a scheme to, you know, defraud Medicare. And, uh, and she would pay these patients, uh, cash to, um, come in, sign her name and leave. And then I would bill for the max amount of money that we could bill for. But I, you know, at the time, you I didn't know, you're, you're a kid, you're a kid. Come on. I was absolutely a kid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there's no doubt, but you know, I've always been a really smart person. You know, I don't, I don't want to sound like an asshole and like I'm a cocky asshole, but I've always been pretty smart and figured things out very quickly in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically I started to realize that, you know, we were giving these patients cash to come in, sign their names, leave, and we would bill Medicare for just millions of dollars, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I stayed. I stayed after I knew, and, you know, I don't claim to be an innocent party in this, but, you know, I was, my college was paid for, and I started to make some money, and I became greedy, and I got involved in just the shit, and so I ended up, uh, you know, she ended up leaving, uh, she was a fugitive for about, like, eight years, um, and the partners in the firm, my, my father divorced her. And then, uh, the partners in the, the clinics all left. And I basically took the fall for these people. And so at the time in Miami, there was a huge problem with Medicare fraud. And so the judge that I was assigned wanted to make an example out of me. I basically um, pled guilty uh, to seven years in prison. And uh, I was at the time when that happened, I was 21 ish. And, uh, and so anyway, I, I, you know, that was the best option for me to do. And I, I ended up pleading guilty to, to seven years and I, um, you Allie, know, did you do, I don't think I knew how, how, how much time did you end up doing? So I ended up doing two years. Uh, I did plead guilty to seven. Um, and then through the process, I ended up doing two. So that happened. So I was in Miami and, you know, it was obviously not the easiest time in my life. <laughs> so I, um, I, created ways to deal with my circumstances that, you know, allowed me to cope. Right. So I, I started, you know, we were able to have 
these little tiny radios, uh, little like Walkman kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what they're called, but you know, headphones, like just, just AM, FM, nothing fancy. Like trans, they're like transit, uh, transistor radio kind of things with headphones. Yeah, I know. Just like something so old school that we can't even fathom. That's what you get yeah. in prison. Yeah, right. exactly. Right on. <laughs> right on. Hey, so, hey, listen, here's something. What I grew up with, because I'm a lot older, is what you guys get in prison. Transistor radios. <laughs> Sorry. No, exactly. Had to add a little so light to it, Allie. All right. So, so. so you're not that much older. Shut up. So, uh, so anyway. <laughs> so so we had these little radios, right? And and I just so I'll tell you something about prison. There is a sense of need for the guards and the punishers essentially to make you understand that you have lost complete control of your life. Um, You've lost your freedom. You've lost your rights. You've lost the ability to turn the lights on and off when you want to, to shut the door, to use the bathroom in private. I mean, this is like just basically, you know, Please keep reminding me this because this is keeping me sober because, I mean, you're talking to someone that's had a couple, uh, you know, possession charges and that's where I'm headed. And I have to keep remembering that. I have to remember the turmoil. And I love how you just put that, how you couldn't, you don't even, you've lost the control of even being able to turn off the friggin' lights, right? Yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing. I mean, you don't know, you can't control what you eat. Pissing in public. I'm sorry? Pissing in public. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Showering pooping the whole thing i mean it's just you know one of those things that it's like it's it's an incredibly humbling experience and 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 in hindsight i'm extraordinarily grateful for that experience at such a young age in my life because it gave me a sense of gratitude just to feel the sun on my skin mm-hmm. you know so you know it gave me an experience to where i can live so humbly that I don't need a whole lot, um, to make me happy. And so, so for me, it was, that that was the biggest lesson. Um, well, one of the biggest lessons, but, but so anyway, so getting back to this control situation, right? So, so they basically just tell you what to do, when to do, how to do it. So the, the only thing that I had in my life for two years was that damn radio and the ability to walk around or run on the treadmill. Um, and I'll tell you the treadmill story in a second, but I, um, at the time, you know, I've always been into rock. I've always been into reggae, Led Zeppelin and Foo Fighters, you know, were, are, you know, my bands. And I, um, I, uh, was my roommate, at the time, her and I became really tight. You know, she and I would, you know, play like Trivial Pursuit and like she she's older than me and she was really into Led Zeppelin and really into classic rock. Um, and so we would take these headphones and so they were like uh the like the headphones that you wear in, in radio like the big like i don't know what you call them i don't know what the, the proper term is big cans like those... no no that's what they call something else but all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we would take these headphones and the way that you would be able to hear acoustically in the room is you would take an empty toilet paper roll and i'm giggling because it's so freaking archaic and ridiculous but you would take an empty uh like a you know toilet paper roll and uh and put it between the headphones to create like a tube you know and then you would hang these headphones from the bottom bunk like under the springs of the bed and it would acoustically sound like shit like you had sonos playing in your room because the room was like (laughs) you learn something new every single episode on sober exposure. (laughs) And so, so yeah, so, so she's, she's like, man, you know, there's this segment on Zeta. Was it Zeta or big, 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 holy crap, man. That's taking it back. So (laughs) I, um, she's like, there's this segment called get the let out. 
um, and it comes on weekdays at nine o'clock and we would literally every single day in the morning, we would be like, get the lead out nine o'clock and that Jen, I'm going to start to cry. Like that anticipation to listen to that segment at nine o'clock at night got me through my days. Like it got me through the fights and the fucking abuse and the shit that I survived in prison just to get back to my room at nine o'clock to listen to that segment. (laughs) My segment of get the let out. (laughs) (laughs) And so so my roommate at the time says to me, yeah, we got to listen to this segment or whatever. You know, this girl's awesome. You know, she she transitions from Jen Wilde to Jen Zeppelin and plays obscure Led Zeppelin songs and tells you facts about it for a full hour. And this hour literally got me through my days. And um, shit, sorry, that was fast. We knew we were going to do this. Oh, yeah. So. Just I'll start crying at the airport when we get there. <laughs> and so. So anyway, so we uh, we listened to this segment every day. And this Jen Wild Zeppelin character became a, uh, you know, a person to basically a catalyst to my healing, you know, in a lot of ways. Which is, I mean, I can't even tell you, I'm humble, humbled and honored, but also like, come on, Allie, that's really pathetic. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't <laughs> it though? I mean, come isn't on, me. Really? <laughs> <laughs> now that you know me, isn't that funny? <laughs> so, so that happened. And then, you know, two years went by and, 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 um, you know, I learned a lot of things about, about Led Zeppelin and, uh, you know, I fell in love with you, you know, you were just this person that just created this environment for me to feel safe and happy and learn new things. And so, so that was one aspect. And then I'll touch on the Foo Fighters for a second, since we're talking about Foo. Yeah. Cause we're going to do a tribute to Taylor Hawkins after we, you know, talk about, you know, Allie and her message and everything. I, I can't have Allie on the show after a death like that without doing a tribute. So go, yeah. Tell us your Foo Fighters. At the time, times like these came out on you know the radio and uh and you know these damn radio stations play the new songs over and freaking over and freaking over again but this song created like such a great message for me because it was like you know it's times like these you learn to live again it's times like these you learn to love again and i write i'm a writer i um you know, that's my thing. I, that's my talent. I'm, a, I'm proud of it. I adore it. That's my, that's my voice. Right. So, yeah. um, and I've been told many times that my handwriting is atrocious. Yeah. Um, and my handwriting is my connection to people. You know, I write, that's what I do. Yeah. I am a writer. I, you know, and, and it is, it is, it is fucking atrocious. It sucks. I can't even read it half of the time, but whatever. So recently, about six months ago, I got a tattoo on my side in my own handwriting <gasps> because my partner at the time told me that I ruined a document because I, I wrote on it in my handwriting because my handwriting was so shitty. And I know this might sound ridiculous to a lot of people, but when you have a gift, right? Everybody has a gift. And when you have something that allows you to express yourself and the person that's supposed to love you the most in the whole world tells you that you've ruined something by writing on it in your own handwriting. So I got a handwriting, my own handwriting on my side. And it says it's times like these, uh, because that, that, um, song literally got me through you know shit and it 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 created this idea in my head that you know there are going to be times in your life that you are going to fuck up and you are going to end up in a ditch and you are going to end up in 
prison and you are going to, you know, get caught up in whatever. But those times are the times that are pivotal to teaching you how to live again, how to love again. And I learned how to live again. I learned how to love the feeling of the sun on my skin, just simple little pleasures of gratitude in your life. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it's just reality. Like people take every fucking thing for granted. Mm. I curse a lot. I'm really sorry. Oh, no, that's that's mandatory on sober exposure. Okay, you can you can edit it later, but whatever. (laughs) No, we Um, we don't. We edit a um, lot of the ums and the breaths and stuff like that. But the fucks we keep. (laughs) (laughs) I think that might be my next tattoo, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) So so anyway, so Foo Fighters, Led Zeppelin, this character, Jen Wilde, who I had no idea who she was, where she was from, whatever, Jen Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, I get, get out and, uh, you know, I decide that while I was in there, I, I studied a lot of yogic philosophy. I st- studied a lot of philosophy in general, music, you know, I read a lot. And I, I, I got out and I wanted to do my yoga teacher training. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do my yoga teacher training. And I, you know, chose somebody who's very, very near and dear to my heart still um, to be my teacher and my guide. And I, I did the, I joined my 200 hour. I now have my 500 hour, but I did my 200 hour. And I remember I walked into this house um julian god rest his soul you know he passed away right ellie you're gonna kill me i don't even remember julian okay it's fine i remember so, the house I, I re- so it was it was julian's house and julian was the one that introduced us um that, that did all the introductions so anyway so so we're jumping ahead so mm-hmm. so i parked my mat down there's 50 fucking people in this like little house mm-hmm. right and I park my mat down next to, you know, Erica Lee mm-hmm. on my right. And then another blonde to my left. And I, uh, I parked my mat down and we were doing introductions. And I'm like, hey, I'm Allie, you know, this and that, whatever. And this, gr- this girl stands up next to me and she says, um, hey, uh, I'm Jen Angelson. Most people know me as Jen Wild. And I, your vo- I knew your fucking voice as soon as you said, hey. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, is this happening to me? No. No. And <laughs> I was like, okay. And so, you know, you and I, we didn't become fast friends. You know, we were um, in the same teacher training, but I know that that teacher training wasn't like a the greatest moment for you. No, I, I hated it. And 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 for the thing when we did the test, first of all, I, I am obviously I've heard this story before, and I have the chills and I cry every time I tell it. But one thing I just want to preface is, first of all, yeah, the entire time during the teacher training, you never told me. She never told me any of this. I'll tell you when she told me all this. By the way. 20 years later. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you know, that teacher training would, would just have to have a joke. Okay. So you had to do this thing like at the end to get certified, I guess, in front of the whole class. I did Floyd flow yoga and I played dark side <laughs> of the moon and I had allergies. It was pollen season and I was snotting all over all you guys. <laughs> so bad. I was like, this chick is freaking awesome. She's doing <laughs> yoga to freaking Floyd, man. <laughs> Come on. Seriously, uh, like what the hell? All of us were all like, you know, into the fucking Sanskrit. <laughs> I'm like, shit. fuck that. And I'm playing Floyd. But you're like, like I mean, absolutely. That's yeah, but that's you. And that was that's amazing. I freaking loved it. And you know, you couldn't tell, you know, and at the time, like again, like it was very fresh for me to tell my story. Yeah. It, and and there's a lot of stigma that comes along with I just got out of prison. Right, right. Well, yeah, just a bit. But the thing that's so funny is at that time, you had no idea the bat the battles that that I had as well and how how deep we would connect later because 
you had all of that inside of you and all that guilt and shame of your past. Meanwhile, I mean, everybody turns to yoga for a reason. It's it's because we're broken and you had, I'm sure, no idea of all the black, dark shit that I was dealing with at that time, too. No idea. No idea. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was in and out of serious, serious cocaine addiction at that time, too. So in and out at that time, I was actually sober. So. So, yeah, we stayed, you know, we were acquaintances on social media here and there. We both knew that we each other loved the Foo Fighters. We both both knew that, you know, but um, I didn't know any of this um, for, for years. I just assumed Allie was the girl that I did teacher training with. That was Joy's friend. That was cool. And was one of the only chicks I could deal with at the teacher training. Cause all the other soccer moms were so annoying in their Lululemon. I didn't know any of that. That's a huge compliment to me, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> like, come on, some of those chicks me and eh, yeah, no, especially the guy I was married to at the time. We just didn't really fit in so much, but so the part for me that's so compelling is I'm going to I'm going to pick up 20 years later because I'm going to tell you where I came from, what my day was like that day that we met face to face. So Jen is coming off a three month binge with a really bad drug of choice. Um, Jones and my everything off. Uh, I'm going to let you describe my state, but but basically I was a mess. I I I, I was. I, I was unrecognizable, I, I believe, a shaking and um, I was coming off probably a four day binge trying to get on, on a plane to Orlando to go to rehab. I'll tell you, I never made it on that plane. I, I had to leave and go cop more. But um, I ran into somebody at the airport and take 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 over the story. So, yeah, I mean, at this point it's now it's like 15 I don't know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. About 15, time, is, yeah. time is made up anyway. So, mm-hmm. but, um, so I am flying to Key West to go to my bachelorette party and none of the other girls flew. I was the only person that flew. So I, I walk up to the counter and there's, and it's empty. It was so bizarre because there was nobody at the fucking airport except for, I I feel like it felt that way. Maybe there were other people, but uh-uh, like I felt it was like pretty empty. Yeah, because I stuck so, out like a sore thumb. I look like a derelict. I walked up to the counter to check in for my flight. There was this chick standing next to me, and I, all I could notice was like a, the smell of like cigarettes and like <laughs> booze and like whatever was you know whatever chemicals were coming from out of every pore, every single one imaginable <laughs> and, definitely more uh, than 10 substances sorry taylor <laughs> oh god <laughs> too soon too soon Jen. Oh, Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ. so so anyway so i was like all right well whatever i took for my flight but then i hear the voice mm. and i was like there's no way and i look over and i was like jen And you look me dead in the eyes and you say to me, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. And I was like, Jen, it's Allie. Like you've known me for like at least 15 years. We did yoga teacher training and you were like, oh my God, Allie, you know, I'm a crackhead, right? (laughs) Oh, sure. (laughs) Yeah. You have green eyes. You like to shop at Target and you're a crackhead. I was like, Jen, I'm going to be, obviously I'm always candid and always truthful, but like, it shook me. It shook me to the point that I left outside. I called my husband at the time and I was hysterical crying because there's my hero, right? There's this person that has no idea what you mean to me, right? Because I never at this point had told you my story. And I was so shook that I left to step outside and I was like, babe, I just ran into somebody that changed my life. And I can't even explain to you how I feel right now seeing her this way. And I don't know what to do about it. And he was like, 
there's nothing you can do about it. She's going to rehab. And I was like, all right, well, fine. It's like, anyway, I get to Key West, the girls see me. Now it's been two hours and I'm still, the blood is still drained out of my face. Cause I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, it was just like, I've seen people fucked up before and whatever, but like, now this is you. Now this is somebody that literally have, has saved my life. Fast forward. I assume you're in rehab. I don't know. We, we don't really talk for a little bit. And I reach out to you on social media and I, and I said to you, Jen, you know, do me a favor when you get back home or when you get out or whatever, call me. I have a story to tell you. Right. And let me, let me just finish by saying I was in rehab and the reason why you reached out, I think you maybe don't, you remember this, but, um, I was 30 days into rehab and my mom dropped dead and you saw that on social media. So that's when you reached out and you, it was 30 days after the airport incident. And you were like, you know, I have a story for you. Yeah. Cause they'd finally, after 30 days, you get your phone privileges back, (laughs) you know, first 30 days into my phone. And then my mom dropped dead. So, um, and that's another thing that bonded us too, which we'll get into in a second, but like, you know, the death of a mom is, is a, is just crazy synchronicities. So, so, so anyway, so you call me and, you know, I'll never forget. I'll never forget where I was. I'll never forget how long we talked on the phone. I'll never forget. And I said, Jen, you know, and I told you the story that I just said about, you know, me being away and segment and how you got me through these, these dark days of my life, how you changed my life. And I remember just thinking like, you know, people don't have the balls to tell other people what they mean to them because people are afraid of being vulnerable. And for me, for me, all I needed to tell you was that, you know, I, I was in a relationship with a drug addict for a long time. I walked in on him with a needle in his arm and he was dead. Um, and you know, he was the love of my life. I mean, shit. Like I thought we were going to get married and have kids and whatever. And, and I, and I know, you know, I don't know personally, you know, the demons that are dealt with as a drug addict, because I've never personally been there. Um, but I've been with somebody that dealt with it. And I, you know, I basically just wanted to, to make you understand that I understand that, you know, drug addiction is a disease. I understand that there's a lack of control there. There is a sense of me wanting people, especially your community and your listeners to understand that you never know whose life you're going to impact by staying sober and, and expressing yourself in ways that show your talent and show your message and your voice. And I told you this on the phone. I said, Jen, you don't know how important your voice is and your voice disappears when you are muffled with substance. I needed you to understand that because you needed to get back out there because you change people's lives. And I know how silly that sounds. And you say it's pathetic as a joke, but I'm telling you, and I was there to tell you that day that your voice literally saved my life. And so, you know, your voice is your talent, my writing, my atrocious fucking handwriting is my fucking talent. Like we need to be able and sober and, you know, we have to do this for the world because that's what changes the world is people that are willing to just be honest and vulnerable and open and just say what they say and be who they are. And so the day that I told you my story, you know, it was all divine timing because I could have told you the story 20 years earlier, but I didn't feel that it was time. 
Cause I didn't know, I didn't know what you were going through. I didn't know any of that. So, you know, I just wanted you to understand that, you know, it's so important for you to remain in a mindset where you can change people's lives and you do it. I remember exactly where I was too, 30 days after my mother's death. And we had that conversation and, you know, as a like radio personality, that you know, or whatever, as a voiceover talent or whatever, Jennifer, when, when like people say you have a voice, it's always like, but the way you said it, it wasn't like, oh, you have such a nice voice. Jen, you have a voice. You have something to say. And basically, I took it like this is my responsibility to get my shit together so nobody else has to go through everything that I went through. And how friggin', I mean, can you not believe in the universe when you hear about all of these just random things from little, you know, listening on the radio in prison? Hi, I'm Jen Wild Yoga, you know, airport. And then um, after that, that's when like all bets were off. And then, you know, we really, really connected. And obviously, like, this is what music is so important to us. And we, connected through music. Allie is a huge part of why Sober Exposure is still in existence. You were my first listener. You were my first fan because you're the one that said I have the voice. You're the one that gave me uh, actually the idea and the confidence to follow through with this and make me believe that, yeah, maybe maybe all this bullshit, there, there could be uh, some good that can come out of all of the terrible shit that I, you know, I went through with my addiction and, um, it's still hard for me to believe that I make a difference, but I mean, I don't know. I, I just do it every day because it's, it's my passion, you know? Um, and, and, and when I struggled and when I relapsed and I called you and I said, do I have to, you know, do I stop? You're like, no, you have the voice. <laughs> no, you don't stop. Just be, just be honest, you know? And so I did. So then I did the episode about my relapse. And so as much as I've helped you, I mean, I can't even tell you how much you've helped me and just how connected you are spiritually. And I think that you and I are definitely kindred spirits and that um, when we're somewhere else on that next plane, we're going to find out how close our spirits really are, you know? Absolutely. I was going to ask you, can I talk about the relapse? Yeah. All right. So, so I don't believe in coincidence, but I was you know, I don't live in Fort Lauderdale. I don't live where I used to live anymore. I live somewhere else now. And so I was at lunch with our teacher and Jen calls me. I was like, holy shit, Jen's calling me. Like, let's, let's answer the phone. How fun would it be? And you called me and you were like, Allie. And I knew, I fucking knew. And I was like, what's up? And you were like, I fucked up. I relapsed. I can't do sober exposure anymore. And I was like, Jen, I remember I was like, flush the rest of your shit down the toilet. And you're like, yeah, that's not going to fucking happen. So I was like, all <laughs> right, well, do you have somebody that's there to keep you safe to make sure if something happens, they can take you to the hospital. And you're like, yeah, whatever, whatever. So I was like, you are absolutely gonna fucking continue to do sober exposure and you're gonna explain to people and you're gonna tell your fucking truth because everybody fucking relapses like nobody expects anybody to be perfect in any and i'm not just talking about drugs i'm talking about just everything right we repeat patterns with relationships and shit and stupid shit until we learn our lesson so humanity is going to relate to somebody that sits there and says, Hey dude, like I fucked up, like, you know, whatever. And I've, I've learned that over the years in telling my story to just personal, like people are like, I've never told my story publicly. Like this is the first time it's a huge step for me. I have, uh, you know, my main focus with meeting new people is I'm like, listen, this happened in my life you're either going to stay in my life or you're going to fucking leave. And I've noticed that when I'm upfront with people immediately, they stay. Right. 
Because if you hide yeah. shit from people and you pretend that nothing fucking happened and then shit comes out later, people are like, wow, this person's a fucking douchebag, you know, yeah. uh, whatever. So, no, totally. I always say, well, I, I, I use that in my dating. Everyone's like, Jen, don't lay everything. Don't, you know, you don't have to tell everybody everything that's in your you know, laundry basket on your first date. I mean, I maybe should hold back a little bit, but the way I always look at it is like, they're going to find out anyway. So I lay my cards on the table right away. And if you're into it, if you're in for the challenge, baby, jump right in. If you can't take it, hit the road. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and the reality is like, why waste your fucking time? Why waste yeah. your time with people that are going to judge you for your past? Like it's, it's ridiculous. Like, why are you going to, it's a waste of time. So anyway, so when you said to me, I can't do sober exposure anymore. I'm like, uh, 1000% you're going to keep doing fucking sober exposure and you're going to tell your fucking story and it's going to be an amazing episode and people are going to relate to you. And you know, everybody tells their freaking relapse story. I mean, like read freaking Anthony Kiedis's book. He relapsed 26 fucking times. And then like, you know, just in general, like it just makes people understand that nobody's perfect. We're all humans. We're all going to make mistakes. We're going to make the same mistakes over and over again. So when you said that to me, I was like, you're going to, you're going to do whatever you're going to do now. You're going to end up wherever you're going to end up. Don't fucking die. Cause you're going to kill me if you die and you're going to tell your story. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what you did. And, and, and it, yeah. it honestly, like, I list obviously I listen to all your episodes and everybody's like, why are you listening to like a sober exposure? Like you're not a drug addict. I'm like, first of all, it doesn't matter. It's a human experience, right? Like we all have addictions just because we're not shooting shit in our arms. Doesn't mean that we don't have addictions. We're all, addicted. did you eat too much haagen last night? Cause that's what sober exposure is about. It's about the feelings that go along with things. It's just, it's, it, yeah. Exactly. It's listen, it's codependent fucking relationships. It's yeah. being addicted to, you know, shopping. It's being addicted. To, we're all addicted to something. And if somebody tells you they're not, they're a fucking liar. And that's looking it. for yeah. Anything on the outside to change our insides instead of just looking. And what you did I, in prison, I think what prison taught you and why you're so spiritual is prison taught you to look inside because that's all you had, you know? That's all you had. Absolutely. So absolutely. And you know yeah. what it, it really taught me? It taught me to let go of control because I was a huge control freak at the time. Mm -hmm. And it, it really, although I'm extremely OCD still with my like cleanliness and house, but that's another <laughs> story. Um, but I, well, you can come over and clean anytime. Cause I'm a slob. <laughs> oh, deal. I will do it. I love it. It's insane. Are you one of those that love cleaning? It's, oh my it's gosh, insane. Like everybody that comes over the house and I, you know, I have two kids and they're like, how the fuck is your house so clean? I'm like, I don't stop. That's how, so, you know, but it's even like, I mean, the, I mean, whatever side note, but like people are addicted to Netflix. They don't just watch one fucking episode of Bridgerton or whatever the fuck they watch the whole fucking season because it's it's an addiction so what i'm saying yeah is numbing out yeah yep it's it, right now it's saturday um this isn't gonna drop on a saturday but uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be binging my bridgerton a little bit later that's for sure absolutely everybody everybody has an addiction and and so so when people ask me like oh why are you a i'm like first of all i adore jen wild and b like everybody has a, a lesson to learn from the shit that people go through. It's human experience and how people handle themselves. And, you know, we have to learn from each other. And that's why, you, that's why I told you your voice is so important. I'm learning from you. I continue to learn from you. You know, we learn from each other. That's why we are pack animals as human beings and whatever. So, so that all being said, relapse happened. You told your relapse story. You're still doing sober exposure. You're doing fucking awesome. And, you know, who knows what the future holds? And, no, you know, it, the, the idea is like to accept it, move on, learn from it, and create an environment where you are going to not only move on and 
and experience your own life, but you're going to fucking help other people. That's that's right. That's right. That's the point. Now I want to, I just want to interject real quick and then we're going to go into uh, Taylor. Okay. Um, I'm going to start to cry with the, again, again, which brings us to March 25th, hmm. 2022 Elton John's birthday. My son's birthday was supposed to be a festive day. They were supposed to be uh, performing Lollapalooza, the Foo Fighters back. Um, the beloved Taylor Hawkins. Now, he was the drummer of the Foo Fighters. If you're not a Foo Fighters fan, um, I know we do have some elderly listeners because I'm also the DJ uh, of an oldies radio station. So some of our listeners might not know who the Foo Fighters are. There was a band called Nirvana. Uh, the drummer was Dave Grohl. Uh, the lead singer of Nirvana killed himself. So Dave suffered severe trauma um, after that. And then this is the Cliff Notes version, <laughs> really. Formed his own band. Um, and highly uh, exceeded what Nirvana ever did. Um, the band was around for 22 some years, I think, or something. Uh, drummer Taylor Hawkins came in, second album. Um, now, the thing about drummers is usually you don't know the drummer in a lot of bands. Bands, when you think of drummers, uh, I could think of like Rush. There's Neil Peart, obviously Led Zeppelin. And uh, Rolling know, John Stones. Bono. You got and- the Stones, yeah. right. And then there's Taylor Hawkins. And Hawking that's proven. Taylor um, Hawkins, Jen. Taylor got his start, actually, with Alanis Morissette. And he talks about how he got his start. We're just going to do a little homage here to, first of all, the million-dollar smile. Oh. The guy, definitely, I'm sure he didn't have a hard time getting laid. I mean, he, he, he was married and all. But, like, in the early days, he talks about in this Alanis Morissette documentary how it was just him and his buddy. Like, you know, can you imagine what they were doing on, on the Alana store? So let's reminisce back to the uh, mid 90s here with Taylor Hawkins talking about being on tour with Alanis Morissette. Alanis put the band together from tryouts. And we played and I could play it really loud and she didn't give a shit. So. <laughs> That's it. But I just love how and she didn't give a shit. You know, Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins. They were like brothers. Dave talks about in his book how um, he says, I, I don't have the quotes in front of me because I, I wanted to make quote. this about you, I Allie. I the quote. Do you want me to read it to you? Please. Tearing through the room like an F5 tornado of hyperactive joy was Taylor Hawkins, my brother from another mother, my best friend, a man from whom I would take a bullet. Upon first meeting, our bond was immediate. And we grew closer with every day, every song, every note that we played together. I am not afraid to say that our chance meeting was a kind of love at first sight, igniting a musical twin flame that still burns to this day. Together, we have become an unstoppable duo on stage and off in pursuit of any and all adventure we can find. We are absolutely meant to be, and I am grateful that we found each other in this lifetime. And that's from Dave Grohl's book, The Storyteller. So it's oh, one of my other dear friends who's my, my foo friend. Uh, I worked with her in Cleveland in the 90s, and that's who I was with when I sat on Dave's lap and everything. I still hate She is the coolest shit, thing, it's, by it's, the way. What? I still yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we have to have Sue Tyler on just telling st- stories about that night because I was drunk. I don't remember half of it, but it was uh, unbelievable. I like the Pat Apparently Smear stories, Smear. too. Yeah. Feeding me grapes and letting his farts on fire. <laughs> but uh, let's let's go to Dave Grohl and 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 uh, and, and friendship. We'll, we'll hear them talk about it a little bit. It's here. almost like you meet couples or, you know, people in relationships where they're just like, but, you know, they'll stay together forever um we're not like that we've never really had that um creative friction so so this is a genuine friendship no we're just fucking great actors yeah Yeah. (laughs) this is the best role i've ever played Uh taylor's friend yep (laughs) that's not an easy one no i deserve an academy award for this shit I mean, just I wanted to play guitar because I wanted to be up front. And then he sat me down on the drum. This is Taylor. For most people, they go. Taylor. Yeah. I sat down and went. For some reason, it was just there. And he was like, you're a drummer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm a drummer. 
I have a purpose. Mm, you have a purpose, babe. You did you have, have a purpose. A I was listening to oh God. Dr. Drew. He did a show on Taylor's um, passing. And I, I, it was hard for me to hear the statistic again, but only one out of five. And to me, that seemed high because I had heard one out of 10 um, opiate addicts get clean in their first year. And if you stay clean in your first year, your percentages of staying clean are a lot higher. Uh, we all know Taylor, he overdosed in 2001 when they were on tour as well. And um, so supposedly he was sober. He, I, I, I don't want to focus too much on this because I also saw an interview with Taylor and they, they were asking him if he was using or not. He's like, I don't want to be known. I don't want that to be my legacy. I really don't want to talk about it because that's not what I want to be associated with. Taylor Hawkins, whether he's sober or using. On that note, let's just move on to the very compelling Perry Farrell, frontman of Jane's Addiction and his voicemail. He spoke to Taylor Hawkins the night before he uh, passed. Passionate drummers I've ever seen in my lifetime. That's what I'm going to do from this day forward is to try to make music that I think Taylor would really love. And um, Taylor left Perry a message, like I said, the night before. And um, here's Perry Farrell just reciting what the message take said. Take care of each other. And I'll take care of me. And I will see you guys in Sao Paulo. I love, 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 love you guys. Sleep tight. I mean, so beloved. When Paul McCartney is speaking out on your death. You've made it in life. Seriously. Now, one more story. This is kind of long, but this was in the book and it's the famous Pantera stripper story. Just showing. I want to. Yeah. You got to add a little lightness into this heavy episode. And at the end of the Pantera story, Allie, it's actually a very spiritual story. Because of the wallet, which is crazy. So let's just play the Pantera story here. Okay. So we go on and I'm really nervous and I look around the side of the stage and as we're playing, I see all those guys from those bands watching us and singing the lyrics to our oh, song. Yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> so afterwards we make friends with Pantera. Cool. Yeah. This is Dave talking. So we make friends with Pantera. They, so they give us their card. They have their own strip club. It's called the clubhouse. It's outside of Dallas, Texas. So I put all of my stuff in my house on a truck and Taylor and I jumped in my truck and did this dumb and dumber drive across America. Right? <laughs> we were routing our trip around like where our friends live and where the strip clubs are. I, like, I've got the mental my picture. grandma. Yeah, it was a real family trip. Get gas and we make it to Phoenix that night. We go to check into the hotel and I had left my wallet on top of this gas <laughs> tank in Barstow. I'm like, oh no, and I don't have credit cards or ID or anything like that. So we get there and we walk up and the guy's like, can I see some ID, please? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 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 no, you don't have your wallet. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't. I lost my wallet on this trip. He's like, can't let you in unless you got ID. I'm like, but we're we're friends with Pantera. He's like, everybody's friends with Pantera. <laughs> I didn't get in. Side note, about four years ago, I was at this. This is 10 years later. Wait, they didn't get in. It's at least 10 but, years later. I was like at this surf shop in Oxnard, California, just north of Los Angeles. And it was me, I think my daughter, and I was buying something. And the girl at the counter, she says, are you Dave girl? I said, yeah. <laughs> and she said, did you lose your wallet from Barstow in 1998? No. And I said, yeah. She goes, that was my parents' gas station. I'm like, you're kidding me. She goes, no, they still have your wallet. And I gave her my address. And she sent me the wallet with f-ing everything in it from 1998. <laughs> <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> Another story there. I wanted to just end it with a little, um, you know, the universe does exist story right there. So tying in the Foo Fighters with spirituality. How's that, Allie? Huh? Absolutely, dude. He's one of the most spiritual people. I mean, that book is just insane. It's a great book. And, and, and he is so spiritual and you would never, but not, not in the conventional way in, in the alley Jen way, which is awesome. Ali Jen way and, is the uh, best way, Jen. It's the, the, the God of your understanding, <laughs> you know, you know I, the Taylor, the Taylor tribute actually turned out to be 
kind of upbeat, which is good because, you know, this is already um, a week and a day after. And I'm I could I could laugh. I couldn't laugh for a week. I couldn't laugh for a week. You know, I said this when Chris Cornell died and you'd say I have a voice. I need to just speak out on this, too, because I, a lot of people catch shit when they mourn the death of an artist, a celebrity, somebody that they don't know. And, you know, these people, first of all, these people come into our lives. They bear their souls with their music. We watch their videos. We listen to their records. We read everything that they write. We watch everything that they do. We fucking know them. They become a part of us. We watch them have children and get married. And whether or not it's reciprocal, it doesn't matter. They affect us. They affect our world. Just like I affected you, Allie, before you knew me. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, don't friggin', you know, if someone in your life is mourning a death, never judge because my pain was real this past week. I know, you know, what's crazy is that. So that, that morning you mentioned it was your son's birthday. So my daughter's birthday is the 24th. And that Mm. morning was the morning of her birthday party. And I, uh, threw a birthday party for her and I was, I I woke up to to the news and I was like, holy shit. Right. And I saw them. So I went to, and I'll keep this short and I, you know, whatever, but I know the story well, and I want you to tell it because it's, this is, this is a, um, I'm coming out. I want the world to know, (laughs) you know, story. (laughs) So I went to, you know, my sister still lives in Key West and she's like, uh, you know, I'm going to meet you in New York City to go watch the Foo Fighters reopen the Madison Square Garden um, after the pandemic. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we booked the trip for one night to go to the concert. We had the freaking 35th floor of the freaking like amazing Soho, like New York experience. And, you know, I get there and I'm on time. Her flight is delayed by like six hours. And she's like, I'm going to meet you at the venue. I'm like, okay, fine, cool, whatever. So I'm getting ready now. I'm like, I can't believe that I'm going to the Madison Square Garden reopening of the Foo Fighter show by myself. And, you know, cause you want to experience that with somebody. Right. So, of course. and, uh, and I was like, you know, I, I was nervous. I was anxious. It was the first time I had flown and I'm a big traveler, but I first time I've flown since the pandemic, I'm freaking out, you know, the whole thing I'm getting ready. I'm in the elevator. I'm shaking. And so I have a thing. So my mom passed from COVID in August of 2020. So uh, I have a thing with feathers, which is why my handle on Instagram is feathers and fringe panties. And so I uh, have this thing with feathers and New York City doesn't seem to have a lot of feathers around, (laughs) if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's tough to find a feather on the street. (laughs) And so I take a cab. Madison Square Garden by myself. I'm like, you know, screw it. I'm going to make the best out of it. And uh, I open the door to the cab and in the gutter, there's a damn feather. Like as I open the door, I look down. I'm like, okay, mom, I got Mm. this noted. Thank you for that sign. I needed it. Go into Madison Square Garden. I meet these people from Brooklyn who are still fast friends of mine and my hero comes on and before he plays the song, Dave Grohl says to me, and that was, you know, I'm very blessed to have been able to see Taylor Hawkins before he passed, but um, she was obsessed with Taylor Hawkins and I'm obsessed with Dave Grohl. So like, so you guys were a great duo. Symbiotic (laughs) freaking relationship immediately and she was awesome she was there with her boyfriend her her boyfriend's brother and we were just he was they were much younger than me but we were just like jamming out whatever 
And before he plays my hero, he's like, I just want to dedicate this song to people that have lost their lives from COVID. And at this point now I've told them the story of my mom and, you know, all that stuff. And, um, and uh, he, you know, uh, Dave Grohl's mom is a, was a, uh, a public school teacher. And, you know, he, he was saying like first responders, public school teachers, people that have shown the fuck up during this pandemic and like, you know, basically, you know, been consistent and like with people and um, dedicated that song. And he started to play my hero and this, this chick whole doesn't know me perfect stranger from brooklyn i mean i'm there from you know freaking florida like flailing around and your first concert by yourself in new york city first concert by myself madison square garden by myself and also the best experience of my life in hindsight but so she he dedicates this song he starts playing my hero And she puts her hand on my heart and both of us start sobbing through the entire song. And it was a moment of connection with humanity that I can't explain because it's one of those things that like, you know, we all think we're so different, but I'll tell you one thing. We're all the same. We are all the same. The human experience is the same, you know, the mourning, the grief, the loss, the love, the understanding and music is that universal language throughout the world where you don't have to speak the same language. But if you listen, I mean, it changes your life. And so, I love um, you know, when she did that, it was just one of those things where it was like, I got you. I don't know you, but I got you, you know? And so, so that, that happened and that was, you know, it's powerful. That was, yeah, absolutely powerful. And it's it, it just, yeah. And it, music, music brings people together. It doesn't matter where you come from, or just like you said, we all share the same human experiences together. And when you're all at one, it's almost like namaste. Hey, the Foo Fighters concerts is just like namaste. <laughs> When you and I are on the same vibe, we're, we're, you know, (laughs) whatever, when my soul meets your soul. Um, So yeah, no, that, that's an amazing, amazing story. I'm so glad you got to see them. I was so pissed at you at the time because I didn't get to go to the New York show and I was scheduled for Denver in August. Um, I, it's still to pinch myself. It's like Jennifer Wilde sat on Dave Grohl's lap. Shut up. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. But still Taylor Hawkins, man, what the fuck? You had to relapse and ruin my summer vacation. Really? I, okay, so the first day after he died, that might not have been appropriate. It's still probably not appropriate, but that's my sense of humor. We, you know, we all know. So I'm going to end it with my experience last night coming home from the Reiki circle. First of all, Allie, you mean the world to me and I love you and I can't even tell you how important you are and how important your voice is. And I want to encourage you to keep writing. I want you to write that book and I want you to do it in your handwriting. And uh, I love you and just keep doing what you're doing and keep helping and keep inspiring. You're an amazing mom, a full person. And um, I'm so glad that the universe decided that, you know, we had to be together. So last night I was driving home. Um, I haven't been to a Reiki circle in ages and it was like an hour and a half away. I've been very disconnected spiritually and just felt like I had to go. So on the way back, I, I haven't been ready to listen to Foo Fighters yet. Really, I haven't. Every time there's a death, like Scott Weiland dies. Okay, we're listening to STP for the next five days. You know, anytime, any any celebrity, anyone my band heroes die. This time there was no Foo Fighters. Did you read that book? Did you read the the book that the her his wife wrote? Scott Weiland's right wife. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, she she was not real complimentary towards him. No, the book was great. Okay. I, I got to read that. Yeah. Okay. I haven't read it. I read, I read, I, I've read articles about it and excerpts about how she says he was such a bad mom, uh, bad mom, bad dad. See, see what comes to my head. See, that's, that's subconscious, bad mom, bad mom, that he was a bad dad. But my story about the Foo Fighters last night. Okay. So driving the pretender comes on, which that drum beat and that song just, you can't, you know, 
And I started thinking about, you know, Nirvana and the tragic story of Nirvana. Oh, God. And what Dave evolved and what he did and how he turned a tragedy into such success and joy. And that whole Foo Fighters project was about connection, love, brotherhood, you know, sisterhood, rock and roll. And every time you would think of the Foo Fighters, it would almost be like redemption in a way. Now, unfortunately, the Foo Fighters are no longer the happy ending. Now it's the tragic ending, which breaks my heart. But their music will live on forever. Um, I don't, it's never going to be the same, in my opinion. This episode's airing before the Grammys. The Grammys are going to be tomorrow. They canceled their appearance at the Grammys. Obviously, they're up for a couple awards, and there will be uh, a big tribute to Taylor Hawkins. I feel them in my heart. You know, uh, I'm a foo girl. You're a foo girl. I'm a rock and roll girl at heart. I got a rock and roll soul, baby. And it ain't easy living rock and roll. So. Allie, I love you. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Sober Exposure. I'm Jen Wild. I love you, Jen. Thank you. It's been an honor. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast.